Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. People who are not HIV positive who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm going to do this to protect myself. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforumc.org. Hey, everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of commercial-free five-yard rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the U.K. Phones to silent, doors to cross-check, hold on to your hats. This is Five Yard Rush, your fantasy football podcast, with your hosts, Stocks, Sparky, Murph, and Nick. Hey, what's going on, Rush Nation? Welcome into the first of this week's show. Murph, we need to do an intro. Yes, we do. We do. We'll get to that, Rush Nation. We'll get to that. Um, It may or may not be in this episode, depending on how the edit goes. How about that? You've already (laughs) heard the big man. It is just us today. How you doing, Murph? I'm good, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Got some more NFL merchandise in the post today, which the wife unfortunately saw, so I'm probably going to get a slap on the wrist for that. Oops. <laughs> it was cheap on a Fanatic sale, so... And I work hard, so... Why not enjoy spend, it? I can't spend all my money on government taxes. That's not fair. No, it's just 90% is how the government wants you to do it, but we're not a government podcast, so... Well, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> and also, because of the new visa rules, we've got to be careful what we say about Trump. Otherwise, we might not get into the country. Well, considering he's here, and he might listen, you never know. Well, he flew over my house earlier, funny enough. In a helicopter? Yeah. Where was he going? I don't know, but he flew over my house. Because, obviously, where we are, we're not a million miles from the airport. Yeah. Um, and it was a very low-flying aircraft. Anna heard him yesterday in her office in central London. So, he's clearly following you, the Murphy family. Yeah, um... So, I don't know what Donald. I'm going to watch what I say, but cheers. Um, five star review, Donald. Yeah, that goes, that goes for you as well, Russia. That, that can fix a lot of reputations in our eyes. Five star reviews, yeah, that's very true. <laughs> <laughs> but no, in all seriousness, Rush Nation, we would massively appreciate if you could hook us up with a five star review on iTunes. Don't forget, there are some patches still available, and we've had two recently. The first one was from Andy Pitts. We were moved by this one it was a really 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 good review um it makes what we're doing worthwhile and rewarding i suppose because 
you know, Murph and I just get together once, twice, five times a week and, and chew the fat on NFL and we don't need the reviews, but when they do come, it, it validates what we're doing. Yeah, I mean, the reviews, we, we do sort of need them to a degree of it helps uh, helps get more listeners and uh, helps us spread the word and more importantly, helps us get more guests because the the bigger we sort of appear with guests, it's a bit of validation then we could go out and get some, some top guests. Uh, it's allowed us to get some of the guests that we've got to date and... Yeah, it's, it is really helpful and it really helps what, what we do. We randomly, two weeks ago, charted in Germany, Woo! which I don't quite understand how that's worked. Well, it doesn't um, matter. No, but we're randomly the 194th most listened to podcast in Germany on iTunes. Was that that week or in total? Just for that week. Wow. Which is random because 1% of our listener base is in... I don't quite know how they do it because only 1% of our listener base is in Germany. Well, they pounded it. <laughs> <laughs> So it's like the three people in Germany that listened. Thanks for having it on a continual loop. Uh, maybe you, you listened to the whole lot and that got, I don't know how it works. But... Maybe it's in a shopping mall when some joker in security just played it over <laughs> and over. And... I don't know. If that is you, get in touch. Yeah, come We'd love to have you on just to explain what you did. Um, but in all seriousness, even if, um, you know, some people don't like writing reviews, even if you click the little five stars, that massively helps. But obviously a review even better. And if you do get in touch the other review we got from uh, bf steve who we met at the um, mock draft event he actually titled it five star rush which i liked steve well done we appreciate that yeah. massively drop us a message we haven't got your address so uh drop us a message and we'll get a patch out to you we've still got a few left we're at 43 uh ratings and i think 36 of those are reviews across the world um because we've got some in america and a couple in europe so um, please keep them coming hit the subscribe button hit the ratings button do write us a review when we get to 50 we'll do something special absolutely and you know it was a good segue Murph I think today's episode is going to be a fantasy football draft well not draft but just beginner 101 ep so we can help you get into because we've seen quite a few comments on the Facebook groups and in in chats themselves on sleeper about questions and and what what's this and how does this work and who should I go draft first and so forth and it isn't obvious to everybody and we would rather arm our listeners with the knowledge to successfully draft as opposed to not make a fool of themselves but make themselves maybe easy targets for other people in the draft room to stack their teams unfairly so we're going to arm you Rush Nation with most of the information if not all of the information you need and if we forget something or you don't hear it let us know on Twitter, at 5 Yard Rush, and we can do another one because there's still a lot of off-season to go. Listen to the league updates, Murph. Where are we at with that? We are pretty close to full. Yeah, um, boy. We, that doesn't, you know, we'll, we'll probably do some more. But to get the, the league of your choice, so the PPR league has gone. The Standard League is very close to being full, and the IDP Superflex League is close to being full. Just a couple of spots remaining in those, and the half-point PPR uh, we still got half the league available. So all in all, we're about 75% subscribed. Um, we will do more leagues, but if to get the preference of your choice, whether that's IDP Superflex, whether that is standard or whether that is the half point PPR, uh, now's the, the time to jump in with the code Fantasy Domination. Uh, we're going to give this one more week for just listeners. I'm really proud that most of, well, all the all the people that have subscribed so far are listeners of the podcast uh, day in day out um that's why we want to reward you first it's why we did it i think we will fill up uh the four leagues just on listeners and then there'll be some other leagues that we'll open up to you guys and we'll open up to other people as well so the more leagues the better we're more than happy to host as many leagues but 
we might change uh the ones based on how they subscribe we might do you know we might not do another standard league unless there's loads of demand we might just do different leagues altogether we're not really sure at this stage but uh, subscribe get in there quickly because yeah i'd say you've probably got another week max before those places go and then we'll have more leagues but they might be different formats so if you like the formats we talked about jump in right rush nation a little bit of news to dive into quickly, and then we will hit the beginner 101. Tomorrow's show, by the way, is an absolute banger. The story of the chap who's coming on is incredible. Like, I don't know how he's doing it, but it would be amazing to be involved or do what he's doing. So hold tight for tomorrow's episode, because it's going to be pretty good. If not, amazing. Just yeah. blowing our own trumpet there. Right, hit the news button, Murph. There isn't one. I'll do the news. Well, the next bit is... Slightly saddening for Murph, I'd say. And that's Gerald McCoy has become a Panther. One year, eight and a half million. Could be worth up to 10.25. How do you feel? I don't get it. <laughs> he visited the Browns last week, left there without a deal, then visited the Ravens, and then left there. He made it all along. This wasn't about money. This was about going to a contender. He sees something I clearly don't see. I don't see uh, Carolina as a a contender in the NFC South. There are two teams better than them in the division. So for me, I can't see where he's thinking playoffs and uh, and Super Bowl, but he hasn't gone there for money. Um, I think he's gone there because it's closer to home, it's warm, and he gets to play the Bucks twice, which I think was the ultimate motivation, if I'm honest. I think he has got a chip on his shoulder at Bruce Arians and, and Jason Light for not paying him his $13 million, and he wants to beat them. And... Fair enough, if, if that's your motivation. But you could have gone to the Browns. I, I can't help but think how much fun it would be to join their roster. Or you could have gone to the Ravens, which is quite a young team with a consistency of a coach who's been there uh, nearly 10 years. And a coaching staff he knows, you know, his old uh, defensive line coach uh, is there uh, in, in Baltimore. So he knows already some of the scheme and uh, can form a good relationship there. Whereas I think he's he's gone to join Riverboat Ron, which I love Riverboat Ron, don't get me wrong. But doesn't really make sense. I, I don't get it, but and if he'd gone there and he got like a twelve, thirty million dollar deal, they'd have gone. Yeah, he's gone there for the money, but he hasn't even got that. It's four million guaranteed. Um, he gets roster bonuses and then game checks and things like that, and that's how it makes up the the eight point five. So it's a different time now for the Buccaneers, and you just have to respect McCoy for what he's done. But at the same point, it's time to welcome the other ninety three that we've got now on the roster. Yeah, staying ninety three. Uh, excuse me. Well, might as well. Yeah. Dominic. How do you say his first name? Indomican Sue. Indomic. Yeah. Indomica, I think. Well, him, Sue, that chap. He's going to be wearing 93 in Tampa. Is this a number of note? Is well, it... that was McCoy's number. Right, okay. So, McCoy was 93 at Tampa. And typically in Tampa, when you've had a player who's made four or five Pro Bowls, typically the number gets retired because there hasn't been that many great players in the franchise history. Uh, <laughs> and most of them were on the supporting team. It's been a couple before and none since. So typically what will happen is that the shirt will be vacated for at least a year or but in most cases they get retired when they go into the Ring of Honor. So it, it, I think there's no coincidence for me that Sue comes out wearing his uh, 93 jersey and then you know, McCoy's gone, well, that's it now. That's, if he was wavering at that point, I think that was the... the that tilted him over. Oh, 100%. I think, you know, I think it's it probably is a slap of the face of McCoy. I don't know how you can see that. Sue has always worn 93. The only other jersey he's worn in the NFL is 90, which he can't wear because JPP has that jersey. So, 
I think it is what it is. Um, one thing I thought was impressive was that Sue leaked the picture of him in the uh, Bucks jersey. More strangely, it was he was wearing uh, Rams gloves. <laughs> <laughs> and if you don't believe me, if you zoom into the picture of him uh, wearing his Bucks 93, and it's a Bucks jersey from this year, so it's not like photoshopped. He's wearing that jersey. He's got the NFL 100 shield in like the front in the sort of V. Oh, but if you know. scroll in if you scroll into the hands you can see he's wearing his gloves from the Rams and you can see the Rams emblem on the on the on the edge of the gloves. It's a bit of a fail there from uh, well, from you, Sue. You say that, but he might have specific size hands that he's waiting for his Bucks gloves to come. And that could be it. And he might have a custom set of Rams gloves but, and the Bucks ones just haven't come yet. But surely in the photo shoot someone's seen that and gone, right, let's just get some black tape and just cover it up. Oh, yeah, I'm not saying it's I'm not saying it's a good move. I'm just saying this could be why. So yeah, so uh, go check that out because that was uh, definitely a bit bit of a slapping face. So Rap Sheet is reporting that Gurley won't be a bell cow anymore. This comes after McVeigh said he wants Gurley to be at his most comfortable. Gurley says he's going to play six pounds lighter in 2019. This doesn't come as a shock as the news coming out of the Los Angeles area isn't great about Gurley's knee. Obviously, they traded up for Darrell Henderson. That shows they're a little worried. McVeigh is going to lie to us the entire off-season about Gurley. He won't play the off-season, and we won't know until week one, which makes it difficult to draft him early in the first round. But we'll talk about that in a little bit. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, and then season tickets. The renewals were last week, week before? Yeah, renewals were last week, and then now the Wembley season tickets are now on sale to new season ticket as of today. As of, yes, as of today. And then Tottenham games go on sale Thursday. Yes, Thursday, 10 a.m., Tottenham season tickets. There's a lot of panic on there. Some of the numbers that we've got are that Wembley, at an absolute peak, had about 45,000 season ticket holders. There's 62,000-ish, probably a bit under that, somewhere between 61,000 tickets available at at Tottenham. Never has the NFL in the UK sold 62,000 season tickets. So I think there's a lot of panic and hysteria from people who... You know, uh, rightfully feel annoyed because they were told they're going to be front of the queue. We, we're in that selective group as well of people that have had season tickets for years and not not at the front of the queue. So it's not like we're feeling any less uh, out of place as, as anybody else. But at the end of the day, it's still a privilege to go see the NFL. I don't believe there is going to be a, a sellout of tickets in the window. Um, I think the difficulties are going to be more around the category of tickets you want to buy. Yeah. So I would recommend people to get on there as quick as possible because I can see certain categories going out of sale very quickly. Um, so if you want like premium halfway line tickets, I can see those going very quickly. Same way at the very end, the category seven tickets I can see going very quickly. Whereas I think the ones in the middle, I don't think are all going to sell out. I think they're going to be tickets rolled over to single sale and I think there'll be tickets for everybody that wants to have a season ticket the only thing I, I want to say on this point is we've already had people that have messaged us saying that we were concerned about tickets and I don't want to go to two games I just want to go to my team's game and that's fine and if you believe the season ticket approach is the right way to go fine if you want to sell your tickets sell your tickets to fans um, there's plenty of good Sites so Neil Elliott, um, shout out to you, Neil. We play in some fantasy leagues together. He's got a, a Facebook site where you can promote and sell individual game tickets on there. We've had a couple of people from Twitter who's messaged and say, can you tweet this out so that this goes to fans? And just don't gouge other fans. Um, don't give this to touts. Don't give this to uh, other people. Just if you're going to sell the tickets, try and sell them to genuine fans. Get your money back. 
Um, totally appreciate you. You might not make it to two games at Tottenham. I, I can't, so I've already arranged for some NFL fans to take my other game, people who I know and are friends of mine I trust. And, you know, we can put you in touch with people who will want those tickets. Um, just, you know, let's try and not oh, panic. Yeah. I think everything will be fine. Um, it might be a laborious process. Ticketmaster might let us down in terms of slow process, kicking us out, emptying our baskets. It's not the NFL's fault, and it's certainly not the guys who, who are the admins, like Stuart, who we mentioned, and, and Roger Goodgross, and, and, Liz. and Liz Bandiari, uh, and Claire DeBear. So, you know, at the end of the day, don't give those guys stick. It's not their fault. So keep them in mind on Thursday. Ask them questions. That's what they're there for. Don't give them a load of abuse because... They don't deserve it, they don't need it, and they don't even get paid. So, you know, shout out to all the good work that they do. We've mentioned it before on the Facebook moderator sites, etc. But, you know, no need to send hundreds of messages of abuse. Uh, Those guys are fully aware and actually are very sympathetic to what you guys are doing and are trying to make it better. Yeah, and let's be, you know, real about this for a second. There's, I don't know how many season tickets were sold last year, but over half of them were then resold by the season ticket people. So, realistically it's actually the people buying season tickets who are then selling them on as opposed to the nfl uk who are just moderating the information they're given they don't set the boundaries the deadlines the amount of tickets and where you can and can't buy them they're just there to help answer questions so if you do have a question ask them if you do have hate and you want to direct it somewhere maybe at the nfl themselves not the nfl uk because like i just said they have no part in it they just get given the information and, and try and help us make the best informed decision as, as to which tickets to buy and, and stuff like that. Absolutely. And even Ticketmaster throw, throw fresh air their way because they're the ones that are making money out of this through booking fees. And um, they're the ones who, who servers and everything don't support all the traffic and cause all the glitches. It's not the NFL's fault. Um, it, it's Ticketmasters. So, you know, if you want to direct um, some pain at the buying experience they're the ones that you should point at because they're the ones wholly responsible for it yes okay the nfl farm it out and do that and for things like the ticket prices nfl don't really set them it's tottenham hotspur themselves they set a minimum requirement that's how it works that's why the ticket prices at tottenham are more expensive than they are at wembley because it, they need to pay for that billion dollar or billion pound stadium somehow so by doing inflated tickets that's how they're going to do it so again they're not things you can direct at the nfl uk's office and we're really hopeful that we'll get someone from the NFL UK on when all this is said and done to come on and actually answer some questions and to um, clear up maybe some of the miscommunication and false promises, etc. 100%. Right, Rush Nation. You guys asked for it. We're going to give it to you. It's Fantasy Football 101. Let's dive in. So what is Fantasy Football? It's a game. Exactly that. And it's a game we love. Now, it's basically where you pick a player from whoever team you want to pick from in a draft format we'll explain the draft in a little bit and each player scores points based on the league rules or points scoring obviously touchdowns are worth points yards are worth points receptions in some leagues are worth points field goals interceptions basically anything that is fun about the nfl scores you a point that's basically the long and short of what fantasy football is yeah i mean it sounds like a bit vague but there's so many different scoring systems and formats and custom scoring and and things like that depending on the league you're in we can't go through because there's an infinite amount of possibilities but effectively what you're doing is you're rewarding positive passages of the play in a game either from an offense or a defense and you're taking away points for negative passages of play so for example things like interceptions are punished missed field goals missed extra points are punished whether you know catches 
uh, any yards made up are made. Very typically, it tends to be one yard is one-tenth of a point. But where it differs from, say, Fantasy Premier League, for example, is that it's a draft, which we'll get into. So each player only exists once. And instead of it being a cumulative points total, it's done in 99% of cases as head-to-head matchups. So if you're playing in a league of friends, you'll play, you know, Steve one week, John the next week, you know, uh, Gary the week after, whoever it might be. So, and the whole goal is to get into the playoffs. So similar to the NFL, it runs very similar. Highest points wins, win-loss record, and then you get into the playoffs. There's seedings in there if your league's done, and then you play for the championship, and then there's a consolation table. So effectively, your regular season is just to get you into the postseason. Yeah, I mean, there's even several different types of draft as well, so it's not even like there's a basic draft format we can run you through. No, but- what we're going to do is, is go through bits and pieces in most common scenarios just to give you an idea and if you're playing in a really funky custom league or you're playing in some format you're not really familiar with, then you can get in touch with us directly um, through the usual channels or you can email us at, at fiveyardrush at gmail.com and we can take a look and, and offer you some advance and some strategy that way. Yeah, and let's be real. If you're playing in a funky come scoring league, you even know what you're doing and have joined that league because you want a bit more of a challenge or something different, or you've been drawn in by a Facebook group and have absolutely no <laughs> idea what you're doing and are already way over in over your head. Absolutely. So as we talked about most leagues, it's head-to-head format, competing to get into the playoffs. We've talked about draft format and each person kind of exists once. The really big difference is that you're drafting what's called like a snake draft in most cases. So. Uh, the person who picks first in round one picks last in round two and then first in round three and last in round four. That is what we call a turn or the turn. So when you hear people talking about I'm picking on the turn, it means they've got back-to-back picks and that's kind of what it means by the turn. So there's a bit of lingo and jargon that we're going to break through as we're going through bits and pieces of this. But the idea is that you select a player in each round. In some leagues, you'll be allowed to change, uh, you know, uh, trade draft picks. Uh, you'll see that more in Dynasty than you will in a redraft, and we'll explain what each of those formats is. Um, but the idea is you pick a play each round, and that's what builds uh, your roster. And then when that's done, um, you can trade your players with other teams. You can sign players from free agency, or you can sign players from, from waivers. So free agency is when a player has cleared waivers, and it means it's a free-for-all. Anybody can sign that player. So if after the draft and it's been a week and there's been no transactions and all of a sudden you hear that uh, Damian Williams has gone down at Kansas City and he hasn't, this is a pure hypothetical, you think, and Spencer Ware for some reason has... Who's at the Colts? Uh, who's at the Colts? Because he was there at the Chiefs last year. <laughs> he was. So who's the other... Uh, Carlos Hyde. Carlos Hyde. I always get this two mixed up, actually. So Carlos Hyde is available. No one drafted him for whatever reason. You could then pick up uh, Carlos Hyde if you were the first hot off the press to, to sign him and then you just drop somebody else from your team and it's very much a first come first serve basis waivers is a holding period in which the player is released and um, then them hitting free agency so it, it can be during a game week or it could be a couple of days so typically a player could be dropped on a Tuesday and wouldn't be made available till Thursday and then you have what's called a waiver priority now in most standard settings the waiver priority is determined through uh, the worst record so if Chris and I both wanted Carlos Hyde in this scenario and Chris was 3-1 and one, and I was 1-3 and three, and we both uh, put him on our waiver list, I, in most cases, will get him because I'm higher up the waiver priority list because I've got the worst record. So it's a way of trying to keep balance through the, the season so the worst teams can get 
better players to improve. So it's a, a kind of inequality across the league process, similar like the salary cap in that way. And that's actually how the NFL works. The waiver priority works in a, exactly the same way the teams with the worst record are higher up the priority chain. Where this might be different is if I've made Carlos Hyde my second waiver choice and then my first waiver choice is let's say a defense let's say the Chicago Bears for whatever reason got dropped and I've decided the Bears are my priority one and Carlos Hyde is my my second player I want to sign so I will get the, the Chicago Bears in my first priority but then if Chris hasn't gone for anybody else he will have a higher waiver priority than me because he hasn't bid I go like to the back of the queue yeah so basically when you burn your number one waiver priority you then go to the back of the queue for that week and then if no like if nobody else makes a claim you can have both players but like Murph said if someone else makes a claim on your second player you'd lose your waiver priority one and then the next waiver priority will get that player yes so we just mentioned free agent and waivers Murph let's talk some fab which is free agent acquisition budget what is it and how does it work so free agent acquisition budget we'll just refer to it from fab because that is a <laughs> mouthful basically how it works is a blind bid is submitted uh, for a player so it means basically every person is effectively on waivers and you have to submit a bid for that player. Um, you can submit a bid from zero all the way up to your full allocation. Most leagues will do a $100 fab. Um, some do a 1000 uh, Think of it in the same way as like a percentage, right? So to give you an idea for once the season ends, the draft ends, uh, you'll see some players go on, on fab. Uh, someone goes up quite quickly. You know, players were getting like George Kittle after week one and two on waivers and were paying a fab of anywhere between sort of 14 to, to 20% for that Philip Lindsay similar sort of price when they saw he was the starter in uh, in Denver. So you've got to be a bit careful with your fab because what happens is teams go all out, get these difference makers early, but spend a lot of their fab and don't have a lot of the end. And when the injuries start to kick in, the handcuffs become very valuable. And some people spend the, the wrong money on the wrong handcuff, etc., um, and go for broke. The, the strategy I always use for fab is to try and keep it fairly consistent. If you see a game changer in there, obviously make a bid for it. You'll, you'll get some people sink half their fab on one player. I never really advise that. It's always looking at the right players, thinking of the value and we'll talk some fab and some percentages and people to think of when we do waiver wire uh, segments through the year but always try and keep a little bit towards the end because it's all good and dandy picking up a, a difference maker week one but if your team's good enough to you know challenge and get into the playoffs anyway the real value comes towards the end of the season because if we saw last season Todd Gurley went down and and CJ Anderson uh, really took off and you could have got him for you know as little as 10% of the fab maybe eight eight percent of the fab and he was a difference maker in the playoffs uh same goes for jamal williams all right in the last week he didn't do anything but he would have got you over the line into the playoffs and he would have got you to the championship game uh same could be said for damian williams as another player in that example so these are all the sorts of players that um but all of a sudden at the end of the season become very very relevant that at the start of the season have absolutely no value so that's why keeping your fab and I'm not saying you keep the whole thing to the end, but you keep reasonable amounts of money to the end because they're going to be your 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 championship winners. It's all good. If you don't get to the playoffs, um, then obviously you've not spent the fab in the right way. But more importantly, if you spend it all to get into the playoffs and then you don't have enough to win the league, that's where you come undone. And one of my leagues, I was very smart with my fab and made the key acquisitions at the end that got me over the line. And they were Derek Henry, CJ Anderson, 
uh, and Jamal Williams. They were the three I acquired. And Damian Williams, I got four actually in that league. Um, rotated all my running backs out, got those guys, came hot, and you know they won me championships. So um, that's where Fab is really important. So think of, just think of it as like a salary cap. A, a, the reason it's good and the reason why we prefer it in all of our leagues is because it means that if you've got a best, if you've got the best team, the best record, you've drafted well, you shouldn't be penalised on the waiver wire. Why should a player uh, like a Damian Williams not be available for you just because you've done all the right things? Um, so that's sort of the other way of looking at it. So that's why Fab is in action because it means every person has the ability to sign any player at any time as long as they use their Fab wisely and correctly. And it's just one off blind bid. So if I bid $22 and, and stocks bids $20, I would win that. And there's no priority, like Murph said, so it is all fair in love and war, I guess. And also, if you've got $88 of fab left come week 14, and like Murph said, Derek Henry's there, and you only need one player, don't forget $0 bids are acceptable. So if you've got $88, Derek Henry's there, slam $88 on him, because you know at the end of the season, you're pretty much going to get him unless there's somebody who's spent nothing, which is highly unlikely, because everyone loves a waiver dig. Spend your $88, grab Derek Henry, go win the championship, because that's what it's all about. Yeah, it's very different spending all your money at the very end of the season, like the last two weeks. If you blow all your, your money at the start of the playoffs, then, of course, that's very different to uh, blowing it in week one. So just be very careful when you when you think about that. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't go out and, and spend the money to get a difference maker early. I'm far from it. If you're spending 20 25 30% of your fab week one, that's fine. You just have to budget the rest towards the end. Because if you spend it all too early, I think it will cost you. If you don't spend it in the beginning, you might not get there. So it is a bit of a, a balance game. It's far more tactical. Yes. So seasons, they typically go from week 1 to 14 of the regular NFL season. And then weeks 15 and 16 are reserved for the fantasy playoffs. Occasionally, playoffs start in week 14 with a bye and then end in week 17. Now, if you play in a league where it ends in week 17, I advise now to get out. Because if your team, if you've got a player on a good team, they're going to rest players in week 17 if they don't need the win going into the playoffs. If they've already secured a seeding. And this will kill you in Championship Week. Uh, it absolutely murdered me in my first year of fantasy, and I swore to never play in a Week 17 league ever again. There are some leagues where Week 14 will be a bye, and then 15 and 16 will be you know, your Championship Weeks, like I just said. And then very, very occasionally, you'll have Week 14 and 15 count as the semi-finals in a double point scoring, and Week 16 and 17 count as your final week again. That's terrible. Don't do that because week 17 could murder you. Let's talk some rosters, Murph. Yeah, so rosters are really interesting because it's going to be very different. No two leagues you play in will be the same unless there's been just no form of custom setting at all. Well, um, it's like if you dive into a NFL.com or an ESPN randoms league, they'll always be the same because they're set by those providers. Yeah. So, and again, it's going to be slightly different per per league you play in but typically you would tend to see one quarterback two running backs two wide receivers a tight end a flex position which is where you can play in the standard flex either a running back a tight end or wide receiver and it seems to be one kicker one um, defense or special team and they count as one so we call them a dst uh, defense special team is you just pick the team so you pick the uh, LA Rams, you pick the Chicago Bears and you get that whole defensive unit and whatever they do, you get the contribution of that. And then you tend to get anywhere between five or seven bench spots. 
But this will massively vary depending on the league you're in. You'll get some people with experience like our leagues will tend to have extra flex spots just because it just gives teams more flexibility to who they play. Um, you'll see some people with some leagues we have that are maybe three running back, three wide receiver, uh, tight end. Um, then there's different league formats, um, which we'll get into later on, that might have what's called a super flex, which is where you have a quarterback who's eligible to play in that flex position, which changes the whole dynamic of the league. So the flex position is really important to get right because it's not just about adding an extra player. It's about picking the right player who's going to have a lot of extra value. And especially when it gets to your bye weeks, that flex position is invaluable because you're going to have some players off and you'll need to make some adjustments. So you'll have to play extra running backs or extra wide receivers in order to fill the team out. Otherwise, you're going to be in a bit of trouble. Yeah, one thing also about the flex I will say is never, ever, 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 ever play your Thursday night players in the flex position. It's called the flex because it means you're flexible. So if you do have a Thursday night player, stick them in their relative position. Even if you've got, you know, David Johnson as your RB1 and he's playing Thursday night, put him in the flex. His points won't change. But should you need to manoeuvre your... No, sorry. Uh, put David Johnson in, in your running back slot, not your flex. Because if you do need to pivot during the week... You can, and your flex spot is still open. Whereas if you put David Johnson in your flex spot and he's played Thursday night and you have a running back that goes down or a wide receiver that goes down and you don't have a spot for him, he could have gone in your flex. So always keep your flex spot free for the Sunday night games. Now, IR spots, that's injured reserve. And therefore, injured players, they tend to only be in dynasty and keeper leagues, standard redraft leagues, don't have IR spots because technically an injured player just dump him and unless he's injured short-term, in which you could bench him, but IR spots are normally for dynasty and keeper leagues. And then if you do put a player on an IR spot, it gives you an extra spot on your bench to free up. But obviously, once that player comes back from IR, you won't be allowed to use him until you dump somebody back to the waivers. I've seen some redraft leagues. I think I play in a redraft league that has uh, IR spots. Um, it tends to be limited to just one, but... You don't, you don't tend to normally get them in your jumping leagues, even no. so like ESPN or NFL and, and stuff like that. But IR is important because if you have a player who goes down for, say, you know, with an IR player, they tend to go out for eight weeks anyway. Um, but if they're a game winner, then you want to be able to keep them. And that's kind of the point of it. So you can drop a player out, or, you know, drop them into the IR and then you get another player who you can add to your bench that sort of covers in. So similar to IR in, in the NFL. Um, what it does mean is when that person comes off IR, you have to move them away. They can't remain on there. So if they're not eligible... Um, you'll also have some leagues where suspended players or players who walk out, um, so say like held out last year like Levy and Bell, there were some leagues last season that didn't allow them to be on IR and some that do. It's entirely down to the preference of the commissioner. I don't really like it if they should be on IR because guess what? They're not on IR. They're choosing <laughs> not to play. So if they don't play, you should be penalised for having them. Um, so you can either hold them to a bench spot or you cut them. Um, so I guess it's a lot, a lot of, of that um, around there. So check with your commissioner as to what IR designation they've got in. Yeah. So different formats. A format is the type of league you are playing in. Now, redraft is seasonal, and that means you draft a new team completely every year, and you're not in the same league. So Murph and I could be in a redraft together, which we will be this year, but then next year we might not be. we still be in the same dynasty leagues because dynasty rolls over. But redraft is in, out, one season, done. Dynasty, just mentioned it. It's becoming more popular uh, and I think because more people are interested total throughout the year, 
Um, and a dynasty means you keep your team year to year and your future drafts after the dynasty startup draft is just a rookie draft. Tends to be three to five rounds and then you have to either dump the rookies you've picked up if you don't like them or dump players you had on your squad in order to field an legible roster essentially. So dynasty really is the closest thing you get to an NFL roster because you can trade uh, picks, you can trade future picks. So you might uh, not like the 2019 class and you might want to try and move back into the 2020 class and you might get someone who really wants to move up and take a player. So you can do pick deals, you can trade players for picks, you can trade um, lots of different aspects of it. Um, You can decide if you're in a win-now mode, you can decide that actually your team isn't in a position where it can win now, so you stash for future talent, try and trade away a couple of names that are maybe waning forces and therefore can but they still hold value and then you try and get future picks or younger studs that potentially will come good in a year or two in dynasty it's all about looking ahead if you just focus on the season you're in then that's where you fall down unless um i did a dynasty startup where i made the proclaim that i was just going to walk in and and win it year one um wasn't bothered about future years because who knows how long it's going to go on for right so um, and it worked out, but obviously for future years, like this year, I might be okay, but for the following two years after that, I might struggle a little bit. So you've got to be a bit careful uh, as to how you approach the leagues, and and that's a fine proposition if you win your league, then that's great, And but then you're going to have to go through the hell of a rebuild a lot sooner than some other teams. So that's what you've got to be a bit careful for. So a lot of strategy in how you build uh, your teams. So it's the, the original draft is very similar, but you're instead of trying to draft and one of the key things is a lot of people draft players very, very early, almost like they would in a redraft, like uh, Julian Edelman will go very early, Marvin Jones will go sort of in the fifth or sixth round. These players are really only at the very ends of their career. They've got one or two years left. So if you end up with Drew Brees, Julian Edelman, Marvin Jones uh, on your roster, you think for this year, that sounds amazing. Two years' time, I doubt any of those players are contributing seriously to fantasy numbers. So you're going to be in a real hellhole of a position it's, it's a, having a mixture of both isn't it having a, a w- team that can win now along with a team that will win in the future and it, it's balancing them both up but we'll talk more dynasty in future episodes keep a similar to dynasty but rather than keeping your entire roster you keep a selected handful of players and this is determined by the commissioner so it can be keep one it can be keep 10 and that is in the league rules so you'll be able to see that auction so instead of a normal draft each player is bid on and then you have a fixed cap, so you'll have $100 at the start of the auction. You'll be able to bid up to whatever you have left on said players. So you could go and say you want Ezekiel Elliott, you could bid $100 on Ezekiel Elliott, but then you'll have to wait until the very end of the draft when players are going for free and fill your team up with players for free. So that is a terrible strategy. Do not do that, but that's how auction works. Um, Best ball... Basically, you do the draft at the beginning of the season, uh, but you don't set a lineup because the computer sets your lineup for you based on best score that week. So, let's say, for instance, you have Aaron Rodgers and Andrew Luck at quarterback. Now, the unlikelihood of that, well, you could have them both if you went round one and two, but that's a poor choice again. But say you had Aaron Rodgers and Andrew Luck. Now, in best ball, if Aaron Rodgers has a good week one, but Andrew Luck has a good week two, the computer will select the highest scoring quarterback for that week your score will then be made up of the highest scores from your entire team and that will be pitted against your opponent and high score wins 
same as redraft, keeper, all that, but you don't pick your lineup. There is no trading. You draft and you're done. Josh, this one's a little bit for you, mate. I suggest you start doing best ball because you're in way too many leagues already. And if you didn't, drink IDP. Now, this is something I've just got into. I don't know about you, Murph. Have you had many IDP leagues or are you in new? It's, it's something I did sort of a few years ago then kind of fell out of the trend of them because it was hard to fill in. But now as the NFL's got more popular over here, uh, it's something that I, I play a little bit more. Uh, this is where the scoring, I mean, the scoring matters in any league, but in IDP, it really matters because you could end up with a team that would look great in one league, but actually will be really poor in another. So um, if you're in an IDP league, you are probably playing in a more advanced league with more advanced players. And that's something to be made aware of a little bit. Um, but it is a lot of fun. We have a listener league, IDP league, which is um, just kicking off. There's still a few spots left if you want to join. It's just knowing the defensive side of the ball. It makes you a lot better at the game. Not just fantasy football, but NFL as a whole. And it's, it's just a lot of fun because defense is quite an important part of a game. So rather than just picking a DST, I, I, I'm not a DST lover. I, I, DSTs are, are throwaways for me. They don't really make a lot of difference. They're impossible to trend. They're impossible to sort of manage. So I don't really invest a lot of time picking a DST. I just pick one and go for it. But in IDP, it's a very different strategy. So uh, I'm a big fan of it. It's vastly growing more and more popular as people's knowledge of the game improves. So if you can get into one, then definitely do. And we mentioned Superflex earlier, and that's pretty much just a two-quarterback league where... Actually, no, it's not. You do get two quarterback leagues that yeah. have two QB spots, but a Superflex is generally where you play your second quarterback, and that's because quarterbacks tend to score the most points week to week. Um, so, yeah, Superflex is becoming more popular, and I think that's because the quarterback position is being seen as more important than it necessarily has been. Yeah, abs- well, it is the most important position in the game. Oh, 100%. So the problem is with the scoring is it doesn't really reflect that. Yes, quarterbacks tend to score more points. You see that. But the value in the position, and we'll get into this in a moment, is so deep that actually there's no value in taking a quarterback early. Whereas they should be the cornerstone of your franchise. In fantasy football, they're almost an afterthought. Um, you can win a league without drafting one. Like, it's, it's that little of a difference, like, in terms of importance. So we've actually got a guest on Thursday who is a big advocate for Superflex leagues. And he is someone who just absolutely loves them. And I, I love them too. It really restores the value back into the position um, for Superflex. So in terms of having to draft your QBs early, as opposed to waiting, which we'll get into. So if you are a purist of a game in terms of the NFL, want as realistic a game format as possible, Superflex could be one for you. Yeah. I mean, it also, there's probably 25 quarterbacks this year that you can have, if you're in a one-quarterback league, you can play pretty much any of those on a week-to-week basis and be all right. Yeah. So Superflex increases the need for good quarterbacks because you're gonna, you could come up against two of them. So they go earlier in drafts. And talking of drafts, let's talk some draft strategy. So what I think we should do today, Murph, is just talk about redraft strategy and then we can get into Dynasty and Keeper at a later date because they could possibly require more detail. And I'm just thinking time-wise, we'll get into... And yeah. re, you can just redraft if you want to listen to this and then go and do a redraft. You can just go and do it. Whereas Dynasty, a bit more information might help you win. So Let's do that and then, then let's touch on the, the jargon at the very end as well. Yeah, sure. Because we've covered most of it, but we'll just recap some. 
go for it then. What's a redraft, draft, 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 draft? So redraft strategy. So a lot of people ask us, you know, oh, we've been part of a league and I've taken a quarterback in the first round or two and everyone's been taking running backs and wide receivers. Uh, have I done something wrong or why is that? It's really simple. We kind of touched upon this already. In rounds one to eight, you're mostly going to be drafting running backs and wide receivers. I mean, if there's a really good tight end, a Kelsey, a Kittle, and Ertz, you might see those or you might want to take those around two or three because their production is almost like a wide receiver. And on top of that, um, the regression in the position past, say, six, seven to eight in, in the tight ends is a huge gap. So there is some value in those players that mean that you might want to consider taking them early or you might not. It's entirely up to you. But under no circumstances should you ever take a quarterback, kicker, or a DST in the opening six rounds. Yeah. And and the reason for that is just there's so much depth. Patrick Mahomes absolutely killed it last year, but he's in line for regression as as is it's just quite a volatile who remains the QB one year on year. And one of the key pieces on this is typically the first quarterback taken off the board tends to finish outside the QB ten more often than not. So actually, you're taking this QB1 at a high position of value. And more often than not, these players tend to actually not fall into the position. If you look at the, the top three quarterbacks last year, they're Patrick Mahomes, who was going in anywhere from the 13th round onwards, uh, and in a lot of cases wasn't drafted. You have Matt Ryan, who was going in the rounds 12 onwards, and Ben Roethlisberger was going in rounds 14 onwards last year. All the top QBs, Rodgers, Brady, Wilson, Watson, you know, we're not in the top three QBs last year. And I think that's what you've got to understand. And you're passing on some real talent where the regression of the position is much uh, sharper. So outside of your top 24 running backs, then there starts to be a real tail off. You'll still get some serviceable players. But once you get to around the 40, 40th running back, there seems to be a massive dip in the position to where it goes from serviceable to practically unplayable. And especially in the redraft league. Whereas if I miss out on the QB7 and pick up the QB12, my regression isn't all that much. I can, I'll still can win titles with that. So that's where it's key. And you should never, ever, ever draft a kicker that high. And you should never draft a DST in any round except for the last round or second to last round. Because there's no value in it. The, Q, the, the, the DST that always ranks first never finishes in the top five the following year. I think the Ravens are the only team that have bucked that trend. So the Jacksonville Jaguars the year before, I think they were the DST 12 or 14, depending on the scoring. I don't think the Bears are going to be a top 5D this year, given the division they play in. So you don't take those positions because the, the, the depth is just so much more. So I wouldn't recommend, we wouldn't recommend you take a QB before the 8th round and maybe later, depending who's still on the board. And it means you won't get your uh, Mahomes or Rogers, but you could still get potentially Andrew Luck. His ADP is around the seventh, eighth round at the moment. Um, but you can get Matt Ryan, who's playing mostly indoors this year, and I think is easily going to be there in the eighth, ninth round. Uh, you get James Winston under Bruce Arians. You can get probably Russell Wilson, uh, who didn't have a great numbers year statistically, but he's a top five QB. You might even get Deshaun Watson in there because of injury concerns. So for me. If I missed out on Mahomes and Rogers, but still got one of those players, I'm still winning at the position. Oh, 100%. And, and let's, let's not forget as well, sorry, Murph, to jump in. There is, you're only playing one quarterback. Yeah. So you only need one of them, whereas running back and wide receiver, you might need two or three. So to take one quarterback and put them above a wide receiver or a running back in your draft 
is lunacy because of the amount of players you need at that position. Just the proportionality isn't correct. And and the the drop off if you if you're passing on, let's say you're picking in the top four picks, and your favourite player is Aaron Rodgers, and you take Aaron Rodgers, and you pass in that McCaffrey, Elliot, Barkley, Alvin Kamara, for example, those four players in running backs are a tier above everybody else. And there's such a big difference in points between what they will deliver versus what the next player down will deliver that, that you will get. Because you're not getting the net, you won't get the next tier down. You might not even get the tier down after that. You might get the tier, you might go from a tier one running back to the best tier running back you might be picking in as a third or fourth tier. And that's a huge drop. I mean, that is a championship deciding drop. You Whether it's not getting Rodgers and getting Winston or Wilson, it'll be a, a, a drop, but it'll be, you know, one to two points a game. Yeah. Like, you can make that up in other positions. Absolutely. I mean, let's we, we talk about tiers, and a tier for me, when I'm drafting and I have my, my tier-based system, I see, obviously, you've got ranked players. So, let's say, for instance, tier one is from one to five. Yeah, Saquon Barkley might be one, and let's just say Kamara might be five. They're all in the first tier. So I consider them all to be round about that position. So let's just say we get to tier three in wide receivers, and Robbie Anderson is my top tier wide receiver three, and then who can I put? Corey Davis. Let's say he's in my tier three. And they're five positions apart in my in my wide receiver rankings. Now, I'm not if I miss out on one, I know that, let's say I miss out on, on um, Robbie Anderson, and I want him. I know that Corey Davis is probably going to score around about the same points because I have him in the same tier. So I'm not missing out too much by collecting somebody who is in the same tier. By tier basing your drafts, you know that the players are going to score roughly the same points. So unless you really, really want someone, grab somebody else in that tier and you, you should be all right. Yeah, I think that's really key. And there's a guest that we've talked about who's on Thursday who talks about something called uh, relative uh, position value. Um, in terms of where to draft players and what they're worth, and it helps you sort of numerize where you should take players. And perhaps we're getting a bit more complicated in the, in the, the structures, but keeping this really simple an overview, people ask why you take wide receivers and running backs first. It's because there's more people that you've got to fill up your roster spots with, and they get scarce a lot quicker. Wide receiver probably uh, less so. I think the tiers drop off but i think there's more serviceable wide receivers than there are serviceable running backs especially in this class um so you'll see people go running back running back wide receiver running back you might go you might hear a strategy called zero rb where they go wide receiver wide receiver first and they're all different schools of thought and it's down to you to decide which one you want to go down i wouldn't say any of them are necessarily right and i wouldn't say any of them are necessarily wrong um if you're comfortable with it but if you are not picking wide receiver running back, unless it's a tight end, which I don't personally subscribe to that, but I totally understand why people do. If you pick a tight end in the second round, that if it's a Kelsey or a Kittle or maybe an Ertz, then that's I understand that a lot more. But outside of those three players, if you are taking anyone outside of those three players that isn't a running back or wide receiver, you will pay the price. You can't you can't win your draft with your first round pick, but you can certainly lose it. Even your side even goes as far as your second round. If you make a poor choice, for instance, taking a quarterback in round one or two, there's a good chance you won't make the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely right. And that that QB can absolutely ball out. 
you could have taken Patrick Mahomes in the first round last year with the numbers he put up and still missed the playoffs because whilst he was spectacular and there was a gap from him to the quarterback 10, that gap is nowhere near as big as the running back you've passed on to get that who then went on to have a big year like a Todd Gurley or whoever it might have been. Correct. Right, let's talk some jargon. Now, we talked about FAB earlier, which is uh, free agent acquisition budget. I think we covered that pretty well. Yeah, I'd, I th- I'd like to think we've explained it. If you if you are still struggling with it, drop us a message. We can recover it. We can answer it directly. But effectively, just think of it as a way that every person in your league has the ability to get any player at any time as long as they manage that budget. Yep, ADP, which is average draft position. Now, this is based on the provider you are using is the position that that player is averaged at being drafted. So let's say Murph is the running back at the Dallas Cowboys instead of Zeke Elliott, because he'd do well there. Uh, let's say his ADP is currently one. That means he is going number one overall in every single draft that is being done on that provider. I've got a really interesting article coming out soon about ADP, which will be on the website, which is on our Twitter, so go check it out. The article isn't live yet, but it's... I quite it's not groundbreaking but it does blow up ADP a little bit so look out for that coming up Rush Nation it's worth noting on ADP as well that depending on the platform you're on the ADP will be different so if you're reading uh, people's rankings or people's what they refer to as ADP the ADP on your platform might be very different now if you listen to um, our mock draft episode Ben Rolfe made this point really well that it's important to understand the uh, ADP of the platform that you play on because if you're playing against people that perhaps aren't as seasoned a player they will just tend to follow and draft ADP that person's the highest rated player on the board I'm going to take him which if you know that's a rough strategy and you've got a player who you really want to take in say the eighth round but his ADP projects him in the 11th round you can wait around and pick another player and more than likely that person falls back to you. So that's where it's really key to understand the ADP just in general across all platforms, but also your specific platform, because that's where you can probably wait a bit later on players and then really maximise the value of each pick you make. Yeah, 100%. And then we also have Flex and IDP on our list. I think we covered those pretty well, Murph. Um, One last thing of note is if you hear someone talking about a wide receiver one or an RB one or running back two or even a three, it's not on their team. It's fantasy-based. Now, we talk about wide receiver ones, and it's generally the number one to number 12, and then wide receiver two is from 13 to 24, and then so on and so forth in number 12s. And I presume that this is basically because most leagues are 12 league, 12 man. Sort leagues. of an average. So if you're talking about, yeah, as you mentioned, the wide receiver wide receiver ones are ranked 1 to 12. You can re-tier those. If you're in an 8 team, a 10 team, a 16 team league, then you know you re-tier them as you know the wide receiver ones. But you're looking at the top 16, top 12, top 10, top 8 rated players in that position last year based on scoring or where you ranked them this season. Yeah. So, Rush Nation, we hope we hope that this guide has sort of pointed you in the way that you need to go. If you if you are new to fantasy, and if you are, thank you very much for listening. We appreciate the listenership, and if you're a veteran, then you know all of this. But you might have forgotten a little bit, and we might just have helped out a smidge. But like Murph said earlier, if you do have any questions, fire away on Twitter, it's Instagram, Facebook. It's at Five Yard Rush, um, Five Yard Rush at Gmail dot com. If you want a question there. If you don't have social media and you only have an email, we're there too. So wherever we are, far as questions or anything you need help with, 
if you get really stuck and you can't work email well you can send voice messages through the Anchor app as well exactly that and uh, yeah those five star reviews on iTunes really do help but Rush Nation Murph and I do have to split because we've got tomorrow's interview coming up and it will absolutely fire cannot wait for this Murph I will see you tomorrow but Rush Nation as always keep rushing HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. People who are not HIV positive, who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm gonna do this to protect myself. Do it for them, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.